Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. Today's guest on the PCOS Diva podcast is Emily Francis. I met Emily when I was a guest on her internet radio show called All About Healing. It's on Healthy Life Radio, so definitely check that out. Emily has a bachelor's degree in exercise science and wellness, as well as a master's of science in physical education. She graduated from the Atlantis School of Massage in Clinical and Neuromuscular Massage Therapy. Uh, But when I was talking to Emily, I found out that her real passion is about healing ourselves on a really deep level. And if you have been listening to the PCOS Diva podcast, you know that healing PCOS is so much more than going on a low-carb diet or killing yourself at the gym. And she has a brand new book out that I've read, and it is fantastic. So I invited her on to talk about it. The name of her book is Healing Ourselves Whole, an Interactive Guide to Release Pain and Trauma by Utilizing the Wisdom of a of the body. And I'm so glad that she's going to be sharing her wisdom about healing on today's podcast episode. So welcome, Emily, to the PCOS Diva podcast. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. And thank you, all of you who are tuning in for giving me this time and and attention and focus. I'm grateful to be here. Well, a couple episodes ago, I think it was episode, I wrote this down, 121, I had Dr. Keisha Ewers come on and she talked about childhood trauma and PCOS. And that episode really resonated with so many women. Um, It seems that there's somewhat of a common thread between women who have PCOS and some type of incident in childhood. Um, I know I am a child of divorce. My parents were divorced when I was five. And I do think that that trauma somehow played a a part in the kind of manifestation of my PCOS. And your book talks a lot about healing ourselves of trauma and I, I don't want to reveal too much because I want you to kind of talk about your story and we'll kind of get into um, 
kind of those things in our life that we have to address in order to heal our bodies? Well, thank you. I, I, it's really amazing to me, and I have to just kind of jump right down in it. I don't know any women that don't have a story to tell where something in their body, this isn't like, when I say this, a lot of people assume that I mean that women, all women were sexually assaulted. And I'm not saying that, but there is some sort of sexual thread most of the time. And it might not be an assault. It could be something that was said. It could be something that happened. You going through your parents' divorce, they're your lifeline. They're your pulse to the world. Where we choose to store the pain, it, it links to what the original trauma was. And you have to think about when a person experiences any sort of assault to their body in any way, and we call it a trauma, it produces a negative experience, the mind ejects, it separates itself from the body. And it, the story that we tell becomes hazy because in the moment of impact of whatever impact that is, we are out of there. But your body can't. It can't leave. So the memories inject right into the cells and into the tissues. And, and my work is really around muscle memory. When my hands go, because my hands are on the body. So when my hands are on a person's body, you have to think for a massage, a person is undressed or at the very most in underwear. They are draped accordingly. My job is to set up a, spa a safe space Drape properly, which makes me oh so crazy on people. You must be draped. Those boundaries have to be enforced and in place and people need to be safe. And so I drape accordingly. But because you're so vulnerable that when you're in that place, I would always come in and say, you're in a safe space. You can say anything you want. You won't be judged. I don't know any of the people in your story. You don't have to talk at all. It's completely up to you. But a lot of times when people would come to me, my, what I would work around was ovarian cancer. So I would speak at the Ovarian Cancer Alliance and things like that. And so for specific to the work that I would do a lot of, those people did have some sort of sexual thread. It doesn't mean that they were raped necessarily or a victim of incest, but there, was, there is a story. There's definitely a story in there. And I don't know a woman who doesn't have a story that something along, whether they were hitting puberty or whether they were a child or any part of their life the trauma goes into wherever it needs to be. And our, our female organs is the place of creativity. It's the place of safety. It's the place of the womb, the sacred womb. It's our mother place. It's our connection to the mother place. It's also our connection and our holding spot for some of the deepest, most sincere traumas of our life. Now, in the muscle, which is right near the ovaries, is the psoas. That's P-S-O-A-S, psoas. That muscle is the second most emotional muscle in your entire body. So clinically, if you're treating somebody's psoas, which you, it's, a hip, it's your primary hip flexor. It makes you be able to bring your knee up to your chest uh, or sit in a chair or drive a car. And if your low back goes out, it's because the psoas cramped up. It's not actually because your back went out. So you have to know those muscles. And what we learned in massage school a million years ago is that people will often cry when you're in that space because you're now hitting the muscle of one of the most vulnerable places in your body. And it's not like, a, oh, I'm uncomfortable or I'm embarrassed or this. It's a, it's a trigger. It's a trigger area. I think maybe people have heard about trigger points in muscles where you have a pain in one area and then it refers and the pain releases in another. So you actually have to treat both the, the 
not just origin and insertion, but the, the place where it hurts and the place where it's referring and hurts. And that's the same thing. The psoas generally has these trigger points in it, but it can go so deep into emotions. So that whole area in your body is the most sacred, the most vulnerable, and the most exposed. You also have to think about, we don't ever think about this. We are the only animals in the world that have all of our vital organs exposed. We're up on twos instead of fours. All the other animals and mammals have that, that whole area down to the ground that's safer. Ours is widely exposed and open. And, and with it comes a great deal of responsibility. And unfortunately, not everybody respects the responsibility that comes with somebody's body. So let's start there. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. Um, I, I never heard of that muscle before. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. I, it's that, that's really interesting. And, and two, two comments. Um, I often in my coaching uh, tell women that uh, I have found that, that those that I coach who are suffering the most from their PCOS symptoms have often lost their touch with their creative selves. Mm-hmm. So by encouraging a woman to um, kind of think back to what they enjoy doing during childhood, you know, did they like to dance? Um, did they like to uh, sing or music or, or art, arts and crafts? Um, even just coloring is a great release for your creativity. And it really, I, I think that helps healing. Um, the other thing that I wanted to um, mention is that I do a, a detox program. It's called the Sparkle Cleanse. And one of the things that I recommend during the two weeks that um, you know, I'm with clients as we're doing the, the Sparkle Cleanse to um, have them go and get a massage as a, you know, a, a detox modality. And it's so interesting, you know, when women come back and say it was such an emotional release that they really didn't expect to go to the massage therapist and be detoxing emotions um, as well. And so that is that that whole idea of muscle memory. And, you know, it makes sense like when you're riding a bike, right? You don't really forget how to ride a bike or, um, you know, I grew up golfing and I don't get to do it that much anymore, but whenever I get a golf club in my hands, you know, I can swing it pretty well at that, that muscle memory comes back. And it makes sense that, that our memories are stored in our muscles. And um, maybe you could talk a little bit more about that and how it relates to trauma. Yeah. <clears throat> well, first of all, I want to go back just for a second to the massage thing, because okay. a lot of times when you receive a massage, that person's hands might be the only person that has touched you in a very long time. So different clients that are divorced, widowed. Uh, I I used to work on a man who'd had an aneurysm. He didn't have a partner. I I clipped his toenails for him because nobody else would touch his feet. I would come down with a warm bowl of soapy water and wash his feet before we got started because, well, because they were really dirty and I wanted them to be clean before we started. But I was the only person that touched him. And, And it's a gift because... I take that work so seriously. It's such a sacred piece of work to me because I am giving loving touch with no expectations of anything 
coming back at me. So it's a unconditional touch of love that, that doesn't have any particular meaning. It's just a, a, a beautiful offering. Now, what really makes me crazy though, unfortunately, is that so many people, they'll go to like the spa or some of these really like McDonald's-esque massage places. And some are still great because the power of touch is beautiful. As long as the person is respectful, understands proper boundaries and handles your body with care. But there are a lot of people out there that don't handle your body with care. And then people leave there more traumatized than they were going in. So I just, I want to put that out there because you hear more stories than I like to about that. So you as the client have to be your best advocate. You have to be draped. You have to be draped and fully covered and, um, and feel safe. And if you don't feel safe, it's okay to get off the table and take your power back. I just, I want to put that out there for everyone that's listening. Um, because I had, I had my very best friend went to a spa. And it was a male massage therapist. And he lifted the whole sheet and looked at her naked body. And she never reported him. And she's the same person who lost her virginity by being raped by her boyfriend. This is the same pattern. So even though it's a massage, somehow she stumbled into the same pattern and didn't stand up for herself. And usually she's a loud mouth. She's an improv comedian. She's hilarious. She didn't stand up for herself. She never talked to the manager. She never left. But there's something very powerful to say, you know what? You're not allowed to have your hands on me. If you're not completely professional and appropriate, I'm going to take my power back and I'm going to leave the space. So just everybody who's listening, because we're talking about you are going, you potentially, you're going to attract one of two ways. You're going to attract somebody who gives you the most loving, appropriate touch, and it's going to change your life, and it's going to give you that space to fully release and exhale. Exhale in a way that you have not exhaled in so long, and that's what I want for you. But if that's not what you're getting, then get off the table. Take your power back. Take it back with your PCOS. Take it back with your doctors. Take it back with anybody who puts their hands on your body. So that's really, really important. Okay, you asked me a question and I got sidetracked, um, but I think it was something about the, the muscle memory. Well, you know, honestly, I think um, after reading your book, um, I, I would love for you to describe the heavy four okay. and maybe walk us through that um, because I think that women listening could really resonate. I know I certainly did. Um, and those are sort of the, uh, well, I'll let you get into it. And then I want, you to kind of take us through sort of a process on how to begin healing. Okay. So when you, when you use Dr. Google and you look at feelings and emotions, different things will come up. There's a feeling wheel, there's an emotion wheel, and then a lot of discrepancies and then tons of different words. And I don't believe the body does that. I believe there are very specific emotions that the body holds that when I place my hands on a body, the, the tissues have a message, and that is four basic, deeply held, painful emotions. And that is trauma, which I said was anything that causes an impact or a negative effect inside your body. Shame, guilt, those two are the most dysfunctional best friends in the world. They are such a pattern. So trauma, guilt, shame is a cycle. And then you have grief, and grief is a different player. It's a totally different player. So trauma, guilt, and shame work together in tandem into the body. So something happened that was traumatic. So there's your trauma. Then you feel guilty because now you think, okay, I did, I did this. And then you have shame where this was done to me, but I'm the bad guy. I'm always the bad guy. It's always this beat up. It's the self, 
it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of pure hell. You're the bad guy. It's your fault. You did this wrong. You're this person. Or whoever used to speak to you in unkind words, you took it on and decided that that's who you are. So whenever something goes wrong, the beat up internally is the same verbiage. And that's the trauma, guilt, shame cycle. They play off of each other. But I believe that the tissues, the way that I feel shame and guilt, they one hardens the tissues, the other makes it cry. So I think shame makes the tissues cry. Shame is an internal beat and guilt hardens. I, when I was reading this, it really, um, I really saw myself, my younger self, when I was uh, really suffering with PCOS symptoms, namely um, insulin resistance, blood sugar control. I didn't know it at that time, but I had horrible disordered eating patterns, um, compulsive eating, uh, you know, sugar. I could never get enough sugar. So I felt so shameful about it. And then anytime I had like an episode, I would just feel tremendously guilty afterwards. It's and tremendously it is, guilty. It's yes, the beat. Yes. It's the beat down. Shame and guilt. I don't believe that you can actually have one without the other, but mm -hmm. I don't believe they're the same. I believe that they're incredibly intertwined with each other, but they are two different actions inside your body. That's why I said guilt hardens the tissues. Shame makes your body cry. Mm -hmm. Shame makes you feel like you're five years old again, mm -hmm. no matter what age you are. You know, and like my mom used to say, you should be ashamed. You should be ashamed. Like, and she would say it all the time. Aren't you shamed? You know, and, and it's like, I still, I work very hard not to speak to my children like that very hard. And I work very hard not to use the guilt to get what I want because that's how I was. I was raised through a system of guilt. And, and my mother's a wonderful person, but, she, but to get what she wants, she will guilt. She still guilts me. I'm 46 years old and she still guilts me. And, and I find myself like I couldn't give myself a break, even like silly, silly things. Like if somebody gave me a gift, she thought that it was really bad if I opened it and enjoyed it because what I'm supposed to do with that gift is give it to somebody else. Never am I supposed to enjoy it myself. And so it got to the point when I was sort of blooming within myself of like trying to learn how to feel happy and be okay with that feeling. If I, like I went to a white elephant Christmas party once and I got this big Ghirardelli hot chocolate thing and I pulled into my mom's garage and I knew that there was no way I was going to be able to eat any of this because she's going to make me feel so guilty because what friend should we give it to right now that I opened it up in the car before I got out of the car and like started eating some of the things so that it would be disheveled so that there's no way she could make me give it away because I was never allowed to just enjoy. And, and even when I started writing books and she's like, what are you doing all day long? And I said, Oh, I'm going to write a book. And it was like, Oh yeah. Right. You know, and it was like, okay, wait, why? Why do we always think that everybody else is somehow entitled to something great? But when we try to give it to ourselves, it's like, mm. like no way. No way are you allowed to be happy. It, so, it's so, it's so true. I think women really um, have to almost force themselves to experience like happiness. pleasure yeah, yes. and happiness. Yep. It's true. Because I think when we enjoy ourselves, it's like an immediate thought of like, Oh God, what did I just set off? What's going to happen next? I just had a really great time. And that is what happens after grief. Grief changes the memory tracks of your entire system. And grief 
wasn't anything you played in. This is something that happened in your life that you had absolutely no control over. And most of the time, grief is due to loss, usually through death, but also through a, a tremendous breakup or a friend that leaves your life that you were not ready to lose. This is, but grief is loss and it does change the memory track. So you become a different person immediately when grief takes in. Yeah. It's like somebody did a surgery to you and said, I'm going to remove this part of you. And every time you feel happy, guilt is going to come into play and shame is going to come in because you're not allowed to be happy anymore because then you're like, why? How can you be happy? So, because you lost this. You know, there's always a because, but guilt is something that I, you can't, you can help rearrange the depth that it is, but you can't heal. Like, I, I, like when people would say, after I lost my dad, I was 13. I was very young and I loved him more than any person on the planet. And I was given two weeks to grieve and then I was not allowed to talk about him anymore. And it became this really stuffed down. I, I, I say this to everyone, take your child to therapy, take them to counseling, let them have the memories, let them work through whatever trauma it is. Because all this stuff really does lay its tracks in childhood and adolescence. And to be a 13-year-old person and go to your gymnastics class and your dad couldn't be there because he went to play tennis and then you never saw him again is like so unbelievably traumatizing that every time I started to feel even remotely happy, I would guilt myself so bad because how am I allowed to be happy? How? Who's like, where's the permission in this? And, and it takes an adult to say the permission is you. You are, the, you are your own permission slip mm -hmm. to find happiness and to be okay when happiness comes to play. Mm -hmm. But that's really difficult because women are taught not to, not to enjoy. We give away our gifts. We give them to our kids. We give them to our husbands. We give them to our partners. We give them wherever. But God forbid you sit down and just have the gift, have the happiness, have the experience. That makes, that's like you being rebellious. And it's hard to be rebellious in your own system, but learning to be rebellious in your own system gives you freedom and power that nobody else can give you. But dang, that's a trek to do. Mm -hmm. And the whole, the eating thing, I do want to do this. When I went back for my master's in human performance, I was very surprised. We did a whole section on um, eating disorders, specifically uh, bulimia and its connection to bipolar disorder. They are almost always diagnosed at some point one and it doesn't there's no order of first you're bulimic then you're bipolar first you're bipolar then you're bulimic but they go super hand in hand so you're talking about you're talking about hormone chaos and emotion chaos and a total inability to figure out again this is a beat down cycle so these are all things of self punishment that somewhere really early on we got on the cycle of and to break that cycle we feel like we're faking it anyway and don't do that fake it till you make it crap i hate that actually do it like learn we have to learn little steps but be for real not you know just trying to play through it because it, there is a point there is a point where you have to become a little bit rebellious and a and, and in your mind it's like a little naughty but you're not naughty it's just that you're finally allowed to feel some sense of happiness every time i get really happy i have to give myself a talk that it doesn't mean i'm inviting trouble mm. i still have to do this i just moved i moved across the world sight unseen to a foreign country with my family and turns out it's the greatest place 
ever. <laughs> and every time I like relish in it and thank God and do the big thing, I have to like have a little follow up in my head to go, this doesn't mean that trauma's coming. Just because you love this and just because you're happy doesn't mean that bad things are around the corner. But it's so hard to, to accept that today, just today, I'm really, really happy mm. and not worry about tomorrow. That, those are some great points, Emily. And that's one of the, that was my big aha is really realizing that I had to kind of be a diva in order to take care of myself and heal. And that's where PCOS diva came from is kind of being a little rebellious and, yes. and making sure that, you know, I had everything that I needed for myself so that I could manage my PCOS symptoms. I think um, taking your power back is life changing, mm -hmm. but I think taking your power back is an all encompassing and can be done over and over and over on all kinds of different levels within your being until you feel fully empowered, which is the final fabulous four emotions is empowered mm. because that's what we're going for is to become internally fully empowered. And, and I do, is I, I'm, I'm taking this over for a second, but the, the heavy four emotions do have an action bridge to take you to fabulous four emotions because I don't want healing to always be about pain and trauma. And the fabulous four emotions, which are happy, joy, connected, empowered, can change your life. And they're already inside the muscle memory tracks. And so what I do, every chapter of this book has a meditation and each meditation is lengthy. And when the book releases on May 11th, my meditations on audio will also release on my website for free. So as you're reading the book, instead of you having to read the meditation and try to keep up and then journal, put the book down, go to my website and play the chapter meditation for it and then journal after it. But it, I take you through the happy, the joy, because we really don't let ourselves have enough of that. And I think everybody getting close to the end of their life, and especially right now in the wake of the world, people are starting to reevaluate. I don't want to be happy the last 10 minutes. I don't want to wish that I would have let myself be happy. You know, for me, I suffered years of anxiety and panic because it was me finally dealing with the death of my father so many years later when I became an adult and started going to therapy because every time I would say, mom, I'm going to go to therapy. She would, she felt like it was the shame brought on our family. No, we don't do that. You know? And so when I became a certain age and it was like, Hey, I have insurance and I'm going to go to therapy and well, this isn't actually up for debate because I can pay for it. And I'm going to start the work because I have really severe anxiety and panic and I'm starting to become agoraphobic. I don't even want to leave my house anymore. I went from being an aerobic director, a yoga teacher, a kickboxing instructor, which kickboxing, by the way, you cannot even believe the thing that happens in women who have been a victim of some sort of assault when they're in kickboxing class. Because you get them up to a heavy bag and first they start punching and then their eyes shift and they become somebody else and they start beating the holy ever living hell out of that bag because they have to. And I loved being part of that whole thing. And then, and then I went flying down myself and couldn't get back up for a number of years with really severe anxiety. And so I had to start doing the healing and therapy for myself and, and learning how to become okay with feeling okay. Mm -hmm. You know, people say I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Mm -hmm. I had to actually do the opposite. I had to become okay with actually being okay because I constantly felt like I was dying, but nothing was actually wrong. 
So I even went to a shaman, a Native American medicine person, and you're not allowed to say anything about yourself. You, I didn't come in and go, I'm Emily, I lost my dad, nothing. And she like is talking to my body and she got near my heart and she went, your heart has a, a false belief that it's defective, but I don't see anything wrong here. My dad died of a heart attack. Of course I've been dealing with a, a false belief. When, when she said false belief, I'd never heard that false part before, you know, and it was like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Nobody had ever worded that. And for someone who's never had a conversation with me to talk to my body and go, oh, oh, I don't actually see anything here though. You know, it, I had to become okay with actually being okay. And that took years, years of, uh, you're not dying. Today is not the day. So wait. And I couldn't get past, like I would get out in public and think, what if I dropped right here? Who knows CPR? And I would like start looking around and like have my exit plan. And then I would think, what if I do drop and it's totally, it is an anxiety attack and now I'm an idiot and everybody knows that I'm crazy. Like it became this, just this beast. And, and so, you know, for, for PCOS, the beast is in, in the ovaries and in that area for anxiety, the beast is in your head, but they all go together. I mean, nobody, nobody walks out with only one area hurting. That's just not how that works. So we have to follow the lines and then kind of unlock and unleash. But it was really hard to unleash happiness. Mm. Isn't that silly? It sounds so crazy, but it's so hard to do. So I, I love that idea of unleashing happiness. So how, um, you said it's hard to do, but you've, you've been working on it. I work on it every day, every day. So maybe- Happiness is a, it's a present feeling. That's the thing I like about happiness. Like joy is deeply embedded into the system. It's something physiological. It's an actual physiological response and it's a certain hormone release. Happy is a hormone release, but not the same hormones as joy, which is so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. But happy is something that happens often, but it doesn't stick the way joy does. So first I just started to kind of play with happy. I feel happy. What is this feeling? And then it kind of comes and goes and you recognize it. You have it enough to where you recognize and your body goes, oh, hey, I like this. Bring it to me. Bring it over here. I would like more of that. But joy, joy is that thing where you deep belly laugh, where your face hurts or where, where you cry because you cannot believe, you can't contain the emotions, but they all happen to feel good. Joy is something really, really deep, connected. Imagine that all the cells in your body, when you're going through a personal crisis such as PCOS, the cells don't line up. They're not working in unison as a team for the best of your health. So when I think of it in my head, I think of all these teeny tiny cells like trains with a positive and negative ion that are supposed to line up and work together, but instead it's like a train wreck in there. And then we start to dialogue with our bodies and we start to give permission for the healing to occur. You know, it's interesting. My naturopath would say of all the people he ever worked with, the hardest thing to ever do is give permission to heal. That's mm. the hardest part. And the last part of real healing. If I also, Oh, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I also no. think it's women don't feel they're worthy of healing. I think there's it's a, true. A, a belief of not being enough and not being worth the, the expense, the time, um, where could they the get effort? that from? Where, where could, where could women possibly get all that sensory <laughs> input that they're not enough? 
I mean, I'm four foot 11. And you know what? I used to work. I, now, I used to be much thinner. I was Like I said, I worked out all the time. So I used to have this great little body. And back then, I had more attention drawn to my body for people telling me, oh, you're, you're fat. You, if you lost this kind of weight, you'd look good. I was a college cheerleader. Imagine you weigh in in front of your whole team every Monday, and then they go after you. You know, so like there was a coach at a university, at an SEC university where I cheered, who said, if I even see you come out of a restaurant, you're kicked off. They want you to not eat. They want you to have that control over your body. And that's a scary, scary thing that you're supposed, and I used to actually feel bad because I couldn't not eat. And I couldn't, like I would honor my body. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. But then I would feel like terrible. So you know what I did instead? I smoked all the time. (laughs) <laughs> because it was like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to smoke a cigarette. I mean, I haven't smoked in 20 something years, thank God. But that was my way of, mis- of dodging the eating disorder bullet per se and skipping so I wasn't as hungry. But collegiate cheerleaders, gosh darn, they're so cute. But what they go through is pure hell. Yeah. You know, you said control and I, I'm, in, I'm thinking control is very different from connection. And it's you know we're, we're we're striving for connection to our bodies rather than control over them. It, you're right, and those are opposing forces. Mm-hmm. So if you go into the connection thinking you are in control, it's never going to connect. This actually it's sort of like an over under. So you can be overbearing and it'll never work for you, or you can drop all the armor and just go vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Go into that. You might not be perfectly safe, but you're going to trust the space anyway. And yeah. I'm going to give my body a chance. I'm going to give my body a chance because truly your body knows how to work at an optimum level. So mm-hmm. let me give you this mantra for everyone. This is my personal mantra that I do every time I get overwhelmed. Every cell in my body is reprogramming itself to function at healthy, optimum levels now. I'm going to say it one more time. Every cell in my body is reprogramming itself to function at healthy, optimum levels now. You say it enough times, you start to not believe it, but you start to let it in. Yeah, that's that's really powerful. I'm I'm a huge fan of mantras um, like that. And uh, just it's like when you feel like you're spiraling, it's something to hold on to. It's kind of like an anchor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, I mean, I, I can't even, you know, when you actually have a diagnosis, then you can really clinch into that area and you can go down really deep with it in a danger zone. You can also go down really deep in a power zone and become an empowered person once you do get that connectedness. But there's a, you have to be soft in order to get strong. It's a weird sort of way to get there, but you cannot come in blazing. It's a, it's a love fest that has to happen. And that's hard because you get these, dis, you get something, especially in the female area, how much more of a disconnect can you possibly have when, when your livelihood is at stake because the women are the childbearers? There's no getting around that. The woman is the one gifted to bring the child through. And to feel like you can't or have a huge road ahead of you makes you feel like such a failure or that there's something degenerate 
that happened that you didn't even know was going on. And it, and it becomes your whole internal mantra, which is dangerous, really, really dangerous because you don't realize that the next person that you think is super healthy also has a diagnosis, just as something else. I mean, everybody's got something. It's just how do we, how do we learn to play with it enough that it can actually start to heal? Because I do believe that you can heal from within. I believe that with all my heart. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that miracles happen all the time. I have a child who recovered from an autism spectrum diagnosis. People get really excited or angry and they go, oh, you were misdiagnosed. Guess what? We went to three different places. And guess what? We went to two different places on the recovery and we, we were given the, your child no longer meets a DSM-5 criteria. We are in no special needs, anything anymore, but we have been through hell and back. That's a whole different day and a different story. But I know, I already knew from my own healing, but if I didn't trust that miracles happen and that that unbelievable amounts of healing are possible when you create a nutritious environment. I'm not just talking diet. I'm talking about a whole life nutritious environment where you feed the memory systems of the body. And this is my biggest work too. You have to treat the physical body, the emotional body, the energy body, which is different than the spiritual body. So all four, physical, emotional, energetic and spiritual. So energy body, like the chakras, your second chakra is the area of creativity. It is orange. It is, it is the place of the ovaries. It is the reproductive area in your body. And in, in Western allopathic medicine, we don't even know that that exists. We only know about the heart chakra, that there's a physical pericardium and a place that actually hurts emotionally. And we don't even know that the rest of the body holds emotion centers and energy centers. So going to different practitioners that can work with that, let's say a, a acupuncturist, a traditional Chinese medicine, they can tell you which organs and which energies are blocked and work through that. And, and in Ayurveda, they call it the chakras, it's the energy systems. But it's really, really important that we feed and treat all of the aspects of the whole body in order to have that miracle happen. Because your body, in my opinion, has to be reminded how to work at its healthiest. Because somewhere in there, it knows how. You weren't always with these symptoms. These were not always your life. So in that big motherboard of your body, in the nervous system, are memories of perfect and complete health. So the work is to get in there and remind the body what it needs and how to function the way that it knows how to deep, deep down. And if I didn't believe that then, watching my child become verbal, watching my child go from a strictly autistic school to a regular school who just had to skip a grade coming here and rocked it, who's making friends, who's loving life, who, when I do tell her story, people are shocked because you don't pick it up anymore. You would have to have a very sharp eye. A sharp eye can pick it up. Other people cannot. It's amazing. But I watched her heal in ways that I had no idea was possible because everybody told me it was not. And I knew better. I knew better. So you guys, whatever place you are at with whatever thing, and we're going to say PCOS because that's what this is about. Nobody has any right to tell you what it takes to heal, how long it takes to heal, how you heal, and absolutely nobody has the right to tell you that you cannot heal because that is not true. And miracles, a miracle is just a, an act of anonymity by God. That's it. It's a coincidence performed by God anonymously. It's a miracle. It happens every day all over the world. Why not you? Gosh, Emily, thank you for that, that encouraging uh, 
talk. <laughs> you know, I, I like I'm just thinking about all of the women listening that have been told that it's they're like I was told uh, doctors would have to jump through hoops one day to get me pregnant, or that you know you're gonna have trouble having children. Um, you know, and it brings up all of those heavy fours: the the trauma, mm-hmm. shame, guilt, and grief. Um, right. And to you know, just say, no, that's not my story. And you're not going to, you know, I'm going to write my story and I'm going to, to connect and partner with my body um, so that I can get to the, um, on the other side, which is, tell us again, what you call that. Oh, uh, the fabulous four, the the fab four. And that is happy, joy, connected, and empowered. So you gave us a great, um, mantra um, to take away. I was wondering if you could give us, um, you know, another tip from your book on how to move into that Fab Four. Okay. Um, well, so the the moving into the Fab Four is the action bridge, and that is three options. One is to suppress, which we're not going to choose as our option because that keeps everything down. One is to process, which doesn't mean that anything changes. It only means you're willing to let the memories lift slightly from where they have been embedded and you can decide later what to do with them. Right now, it's just an acknowledgement. And then last is release. And that's a cord cutting. Now, you get into a certain space in healing where everybody does cord cutting. So you, you almost don't offer it because you make a, a, a poor assumption that everybody knows what that is. And that's just not true. So I do want to talk about, I had no idea I was going to talk about this, but I think it's important. Cord cutting means that there's an energy cord between you and some situation or person or place that is holding you back. So I'm going to use the easiest example. Let's say I had a boyfriend. He, he, to- he cheated on me. He treated me like crap. We break up. I'm heartbroken for months. He never calls. He doesn't think twice about me. He's totally in love with somebody else. I'm devastated. I finally pick myself back up and I meet a new guy. And guess what? That old guy starts calling. And we always think, oh, how weird. That's such a crazy coincidence. I can't believe it. it's like they feel it. They do feel it because an energy cord has been created. Okay, so the energy cord was created between you and him. And let me just go really deep because we're on PCOS. An energy cord that is created through sexual activity. A lot of people say it stays for seven years, stays in your energy field for seven years. It's a deeply embedded and attached cord. This is why I wish that I could really, I used to teach sex education to high school and I wish I could do it more often because it's not that I want you to be a virgin. And it's not that I want you to be at all promiscuous. I want you to be very vigilant about who you share your body with because you're not just sharing something physical or you might be in love, but understand that you are creating an energy cord and that cord stays for a really long time or until you consciously sever it. And so I want to go through the idea of cord cutting. And I'm going to give just like an outline because it's very personal and it needs to be done alone uh, in a quiet space when you're ready. So I'm just going to give the parameters. When you decide, and you really need to sit with it, because if you really cut the cord, you don't get to go running back. So don't do this when you're fighting with somebody. Don't do this when there's still an attachment. Do this when you're, be- when you're begging for that attachment to no longer be there because there is no part of it that serves your good. And then you get very deeply quiet 
with yourself. I personally think you should sit on the floor with a nice straight spine, turn off the lights, have some candles or outside daylight, be very natural space. In your dark space, in your eye, in your mind's eye, think about that person, place, or thing standing in front of you. See the cord, where it goes from you to them. If it's a trauma cord, think about where from them to you the trauma went. So if somebody hit you, it would go from their hand to where they hurt you. So that's the cords. And you really envision those cords. And in that moment, let yourself feel it again, just for the minute. Let yourself feel it as an observer, but go there. And then you take the biggest pair of scissors you can possibly imagine. And you cut every fiber like those PE ropes that you used to climb back in PE. Big, thick. Watch the fibers, every one of them. Cut through all of them. And the trick after that is there's still a cord inside you with a rope that's halfway now. It's hanging on the floor. The rest of you has to pull that rope all the way out of your body. And then when you have that hole, understand that self-healing immediately occurs and the body replaces itself. It starts to run and function normally and healthy. So you, but you got to pull the rope. Now it's your choice if you want to pull their side also, or just leave them with the rope. It's really, it's not about that. And it's not about forgiveness. Understand that I'm not preaching forgiveness. I'm preaching the disconnect mm -hmm. and the forgiveness. If you do want to go to forgiveness has nothing to do with somebody else. Mm -hmm. It just has to do with the part that you played in that situation. But I do believe that cord cutting is one of the most powerful tools to get your intention there and to remove. And actually, I did a therapy, EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which pulls the frozen trauma out of the brain. And they do it by moving your eyes and then you work through. And I'd never heard of cord cutting ever. And I was facing my dad. And I had this cord from my heart to his heart and he handed me scissors. And I thought, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to have anything that would separate me from you. And he had me do it anyway in my mind's eye. And I cut it and I pulled both of our ropes out. And guess what? I pulled both ropes to where we got closer, 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 and we hugged. And it felt so real. And it felt like we could actually stand heart to heart instead of this really heavy rope that's been weighing me down and costing me my quality of life. And nobody on the other side wants you to be miserable. So that cord cutting doesn't have to just be that somebody hurt you. That cord cutting can be, I love you so much. I want to love you in a different way without the heavy weight. So mm -hmm. I really hope that that's helpful. It's a very deep and detailed meditation in my book. And it is on audio that you can go and download it on the website in May and do it with me as I guide you through the whole thing. Well, and there are, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I read your book last night. I haven't had a chance to listen to your meditations, but reading through them, they're quite powerful. And if, um, you know, if this conversation today has resonated with you, I, I highly suggest checking out Emily's book, uh, Healing Ourselves Whole. And Emily, tell us um, more about where we can find out about your radio show and your work. Uh, you can actually go to healingourselveswhole.com. I have a new website. It connects to my original website. So healingourselveswhole.com. And it'll go to my show, I mean, my, my website. And if you're listening today and you uh, pre-order a copy of the book and you email me, I will send you 
your choice, happy or joy meditation. Those are the only two that are ready right now. So if you want happy or if you want joy, just send me an email and say, I want this or both. <laughs> it's fine. I will send them to you. I'm so happy to offer them to you. Uh, the book is on pre-order now. And of course, every author in the world needs, it takes a village to raise a book. <laughs> it does. And, does. Uh, and I need that village. So pre-order, please. And I did just get word that it will be out on audio the same day. And I'm, I'm su- it won't be my voice, but I know it'll be a great voice. And I'm super excited about that. So any of those that you want to order, uh, get in touch with me. And also just without, you know, promoting my book, if you want to get in touch with me, reach out. I never, ever don't respond. I, I don't know how to say that exactly right. I don't ever ignore emails. <laughs> so, you know, reach out, message me, let me know that, you know, ask me questions because my work is about the muscles and why do we carry pain where we do. So if you want to go outside of that particular area and talk about where betrayal sits behind those shoulder blades, behind the, sh- the heart space, that's real. It's a real deal. So I'm here for you. Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating. Um, you talked about people who have knee issues and it's um, and if they really can't attribute it to, you know, running on hard pavement for 20 years, um, there's emotions, specific emotions that are tied to your knees, which I thought was really interesting. It's like uh, when you're stuck at a fork in the road, when you're in quicksand, when you can't make a decision, guess what happens? Your knees act up. Yeah. I mean, your work reminds me a lot of Louise Hay. And oh, I love her, her so much. I know. I got to meet her. I got to meet her and I just, oh. Oh, lucky you. Um, mm. Yeah. So I, I really loved reading your book and getting to meet you, Emily, and Thank having you, you on you today's so much. podcast show. And um, I want to just thank everyone for listening. And I look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye-bye. up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at pcusdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.